It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff, and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for the weekend mailbag. Lots of questions. And for that, of course, we welcome in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right into the mailbag. Next question's coming from Michael McKen. He says, will the Jets figure out their kicker situation this season? Who do you think the kicker ends up being? So we'll start with that one and then move on to the next question Michael asked. I think it's probably going to be Sam Ficken again. Him and Brett Maher were both two of the worst kickers in the league last year, although Maher is actually good from a long distance. I think Ficken's familiarity with everything is going to give him a little bit of an edge, especially with what's going on right now. Unless another kicker unexpectedly becomes free, I think that it's probably going to be Ficken again. Not thrilled about it. And to be honest with you, this is why I think that what the Jets did at punter this year using a sixth-round pick on Braden Mann might be a good idea next year because if you can lock down that kicker spot for a decade, it's worth not having to go through this every year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, From those two choices, I'm going to go with you and say Ficken, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if week two they release Ficken and they sign somebody off the street. Uh, But yeah, this, this is why I like that selection of the punter and why I would like it if they could do it next year and get a kicker in that same situation. Um, I I just don't want to have to be thinking about this every single year. If I'm building a football team, I don't want to have to worry and think about that. But I I don't like either of those options. And I I can absolutely see Ficken winning the job to start the season. Do I see him finishing the season is another question. And I'd probably say that if I forced to put money on it, I would bet against him finishing the season as the kicker. So I think that the the kicker is probably somebody who's not on the roster right now. Next, Michael says, who's your all-time favorite player and your all-time favorite Jet? His favorite player was Derek Brooks. And his favorite Jet, he says, it's a tie between Darrell Revis and Curtis Martin. So, Chris, because you cover the team, we're going to change that part of the question for you to who was your favorite Jet to cover. As far as all-time favorite player, I'm sure you have an answer for that. For me... My all-time favorite Jet is Curtis Martin. I think he's basically everything you would ever want in a football player. One of the greatest players of all time, all class. You can't find anyone to say a bad word about him, a teammate, a competitor, a coach, nothing. 
even guys that covered him, I've seriously never heard anyone say a bad word about Curtis Martin. And when I met him in person, he was so gracious and so nice. His Hall of Fame speech, which I was at live in Canton, was incredible as well. For somebody that didn't really talk much during his career, for him to give such an incredible speech was really something that I wasn't expecting, but he was fantastic. So Curtis Martin's my all-time favorite Jet. As far as all-time favorite football player, oh man, that is a really tough question. I'm not going to answer a Jet because that would be too easy, and I'm not going to say Curtis Martin because all-time favorite Jet and all-time favorite player kind of tie in together. So I'm going to make this my all-time favorite non-Jet. And when we go down that road, I'm going to have to say that the answer is Earl Campbell. I'm a huge Texas Longhorns fan. Earl Campbell was, as Jim Ross liked to say, tougher than a $2 steak. That dude was incredible to watch. You go and watch his film. He was dragging guys all over the place. Like, you just couldn't bring him down. Guys were bouncing off of him like he was a rubber ball. Just so tough. It's sad that his career wasn't as long as it should have been just because of the punishing style that he employed. But probably the greatest player to ever wear a Texas Longhorns uniform. And there's a reason why he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. So I'd say Earl Campbell for that and Curtis Martin, my favorite Jet. Chris, who's your all-time favorite player and who's your favorite Jet that you've ever covered? People that have listened to this show for us on the show for a while might remember me saying this. People have followed me for a while. I'm going to show my bias towards the defensive backs here. And really, I could answer Darrell Revis across the board. Um, that that could work across the board. That's it. I I'm biased towards cornerbacks and safeties, and watching him, being able to watch him practice, especially that first year I covered when. Uh, uh, watching him and Braylon Edwards and then him and Santonio Holmes go at each other every day in practice. Um, that, that was, that was my favorite thing to watch. The favorite thing I've got to see and cover, just watching him work day in, day out, how competitive he was each and every day at practice. Um, and then I'm just, I'm going to have to cheat a little bit and go with a little bit of a tie for my all time favorite players. Um, uh, and their two safeties, Troy Palomalo and Ed Reed. Uh, I could go, you know, I could go Barry Sanders or, or you know, Patrick Mahomes is working his way up there. Uh, but I, I'm showing my bias to defensive backs, uh, Troy Palomalo and Ed, Ed Reed. And I still to this day, I, I can't tell which one I would rather uh, have for their whole career. Uh, one day it'll be Ed Reed. The next day it'll be Palomalo. I love them both and I can't separate them. Next question comes in from Andy Craig. He says, would you trade for David Njoku? What do you think his trade value is? No, I wouldn't. I don't think the Jets need to trade for a tight end. His trade value is probably a mid-round pick, and I don't think Cleveland's going to trade him because, as Mike Lombardi pointed out also when he was talking about Jamal Adams, the request for a trade from David Njoku shouldn't really mean anything to Barry. He's a first-year GM. He can't let himself get bullied like that and trade a promising young tight end just because he asked for it. There's no reason for him to do it unless somebody offers a first-round pick, which I don't anticipate. I don't think he's going anywhere. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I could be talked into trading for him depending on the price. Um, and then especially if something happens to Herndon, I could be talked into it. Um, and that, that's the biggest reason why I would say, you know, if you could get him for a fourth or fifth-round pick, I might be willing to do it. And it, it just – I'm only willing to do it at that point, even because I'm not sure what to, uh, how much you can expect out of Herndon for a full season. Um, but 
with with Herndon, with Griffin, I'm not giving up a lot for him. And I don't think that uh, I'd be willing to give up uh, enough for the Browns to be willing to make that deal. But if something happened to Herndon, uh, then maybe I'd be willing to go a little bit more. But still probably not too much because, again, this is – we're talking about the Jets as contenders and – they lose Herndon, then yeah, I'd, I'd make more of a run at uh, Njoku. But uh, if they lose Herndon, Njoku's not going to turn them. You know, what's that really going to do for him? I'd, I'd just, okay, that's a loss for the season that's going to be accompanied by a whole bunch of other losses. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Joe Heldman. I love this question. He says, if Brett Favre had returned to the Jets for the 2009 and 2010 seasons instead of going to Minnesota, would they have won two Super Bowls in the last decade? That is a fascinating question. It's funny because no one really talks about this because the idea is that Favre wanted out so everybody was willing to get rid of him and no one really has ever thought about what could have happened if he had stayed. Now in 2010, he wasn't as good, but in 2009, he was really good again and Minnesota did really well in the playoffs. So I think it's an interesting theoretical, especially considering how good the Jets team was and how close they'd come in 08 if Favre hadn't gotten hurt. They were at one point the odds on favorite and I'm actually in the process of putting together an audio documentary on the 2008 season so you can listen to that and this will give you a little more perspective too as soon as it's ready. Brett Favre was outstanding in 2009 and the Jets as we know, ended up going to the AFC Championship with Mark Sanchez. So it's entirely possible that if they'd had Favre, who performed at an almost MVP level in 09 with Minnesota, they could have gone to the Super Bowl. I see no reason why they wouldn't have, especially considering how well they did with a rookie Mark Sanchez. 2010, I don't know. Favre wasn't very good in 2010. He actually had 19 interceptions. He got hurt. And I think at that point, it dawned on everybody that the clock had struck midnight and it was time for Favre to retire. But in 09, there's a definite possibility that if he would have stuck around, if they could have talked him into staying and he would have been healthy and he would have committed, no question, they would have been in a really good position to compete for a Super Bowl. And as I said, they were one game away with Mark Sanchez with a healthy Brett Favre who performed the way he did in 2009. I think that this is a theoretical that hasn't been talked about enough, but yeah, no question. They might have even been the odds-on favorite at that point if Favre performed anywhere close to the level that he did in Minnesota. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, it's that. It, this is a really fun one. Because the other thing is uh, you got to think about how much does that change the offense to have uh, Brett Favre instead of rookie Mark Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they – there's still going to be a run-heavy offense, uh, and the Vikings were a run-heavy offense there with Adrian Peterson there. But is are they can be as ball control as they were. So as – Brett Favre gunslinging ways does that kind of hurt the defense a little bit I no matter how you slice it you got to think that uh they would have been a better offense and with that defense you, you would think that going into the playoffs and they got Brett Favre and that defense they would have been among the favorites and obviously with Sanchez it didn't work out so yeah, let's run that back to the top in the time machine and the ultimate dimension and check that out to see if that could have played out differently. That would have been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I they probably still don't win. I, it would have been hard to beat the Packers no matter what that year. Um, but 
man, that that would be something, an alternate dimension timeline that I would really like to see play out. And I'd like to see the entire season play out because, you know, the, the offense would have been completely different. I would have liked to see how that affected the defense. I don't think it would have hindered it too much, but it would have probably a little bit. But I, I would like to – man, that would be a fascinating thing to, to see how it played out. Not to mention, Chris, how fun would it have been to see Brett Favre playing for Rex Ryan? Oh, man. That would have been great. I would have gotten to cover Brett Favre, too, mm-hmm. because, like, Brett, Brett Favre is he's one of these uh, – the perfect examples of when you ask somebody your favorite doesn't necessarily mean your best because Brett Favre is higher on my uh, list of favorite quarterbacks to watch than he is on my best quarterbacks list. Um I loved watching him play and just the way he played his reckless style. uh, That is so much fun to me. Uh, I would have really enjoyed covering him. So selfishly, I'm going to make this all about me. Yes, that would have been great. (laughs) Next question comes in from Jets. Joe 73 says, what's the best season of the office? And do you guys collect anything like sports memorabilia cards, anything like that? I'm going to leave you the office question because I've never watched the American version. I've only watched the British version with Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. As far as collecting, I used to collect baseball cards. I don't really collect them anymore, although I still have them. I used to collect vinyl. I still have it, but I haven't bought new vinyl in a while. The one thing that I do still collect is ticket stubs. Now, it's become a lot harder in the age of digital tickets. But whenever I buy something, I usually try to print out the ticket so I at least have it. And then one of these days, I'll have to sit down and make a scrapbook of all the places that I've been and all the events that I've attended. But I do collect those because I just love the idea of it telling the story of all the things that I've done, all the events that I've gone to over the years. What about you, Chris? I'll start with the collectibles. When I was young, I collected the a bunch of different stuff. And I've gone through different phases of my life where I've collected a bunch of stuff. Well, you know, I did the sports car uh, cards, um, baseball, basketball, football. I used to have so many of them. I used to collect, I used to collect DVDs and I, it was just like a year or two ago that I got rid of them all. Cause I, I used to like, like have them situated. I had hundreds of them just stacked up. And I was so proud of my collection. And then streaming came along and just they were just taking up space. And why would I bother going and getting it and putting it in something, turning it on and hooking it up to the TV when I could just do it all streaming? So I got rid of that. Uh, and now, now in my old age, I have no sentimental value whatsoever on anything. Uh, I have no uh, not collecting. I, I well, I guess that's not true. I I collect sneakers because I still have a a sneaker obsession it's the one thing it's really weird <clears throat> i love my sneakers and it's the one thing in my life i actually take care of i don't take care of or, or, or anything else uh, i trash everything but my sneakers i still have sneakers that are over 20 years old that look pretty close to new um it's the one thing i really care and take care of so i guess that's what i uh collect i do wear them but i have so many of them that i can wear them like each like three or four times a year and be all right uh well that also counts i'm so careful with my shoes that once the first snowstorm comes i only wear my timberland boots outside until it's spring again uh there's no salt getting on any of my sneakers this is how crazy i am with sneakers it doesn't make sense because i'm not like this with anything else in my life 
Um, best season of The Office is tough, though. Um, I think the sweet spot is like four, five, and six. Uh, I I think I'm going with four, four or five. Four is the shorter season. Five, uh, but but I think that's my favorite season, and that's Dinner Party, which has got the best. Oh man, I those middle seasons of The Office are up there with anything else in television. Um, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with four, uh, four or five. I can't decide four or five. Let's, let's go with that. Next question comes in from Mike. John, he says, will the abbreviated off season be used as an excuse to keep Gase if the Jets regress on their seven and nine record or have expectations not change at all, regardless of what's going to happen with training camp and preseason? I could see it being used as an excuse if they're on the fence about it. They might look at it and say, well, he didn't quite get to where we wanted, but he did have all these handicaps against him, so maybe we should keep him for another year. But I think if he vastly underperforms, that's not going to be enough to save him. See, this is uh, the only slight problem we have with these mailbags, is sometimes I want to ask follow-up questions. (laughs) Who's... Who are we talking about doing the excuse making here? Because because I'm just going to tell you right now, I ain't going to say any names, but I 100% guarantee you there will be media members that will be doing that. Gee, I wonder um, who you're talking about, Chris. I'm, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> uh, you know, I just got to give it to myself every now and then. Uh, but yeah, I can absolutely see the media members doing that. Um, I, I, I'm with you. If, if it's... Uh, something where fans are sitting here saying, you know what, I think that, you know, the Jets, they're seven and nine, but they've had some good moments and fans are like, oh man, Case is probably coming back. Then I could see that being a part of the rational discussion here. Um, But if it's, if it's just a mess, again, like I said, I think this is going this season is going to create even bigger gap between the well-coached teams and the not well-coached teams. And that could expose it and make it even more obvious to everybody else. Um, so I would lean towards saying the ownership won't do that unless it's, you know, that seven and nine and he showed some things there, but, um, but I, I, I don't see that being the case either. I, I think it's going to end up being a lot worse for, for them. So uh, if they're winning four games, I, I don't I don't think ownership is going to be making that. And then especially Woody Johnson's going to be coming back. I think Woody Johnson's going to come back and be like, oh, you know what? I'm getting my own guy in here. I'm not letting Christopher's guy hang around any longer. Michael Christopher's got another question. He says, do you think Daniel Jeremiah will work for the Jets under Joe Douglas? Every interview he did post-draft, he would always say he was just chatting with Joe Douglas. Always defends Douglas on social media. Seems like they evaluate players the same way, especially first-round players. Jeremiah loved Darnold coming out. DJ told you that Becton, CJ Henderson, Chason were the guys that the Jets were looking at. Didn't do worse because he thought he was a guard. Should we start paying more attention to who DJ mocks and has shooting up boards because he obviously is getting info from GMs? So here's what I would say. I don't think Daniel Jeremiah is going to end up working for Joe Douglas on the Jets. I wouldn't put it out of the question, but the reality is 
He's got young children. He's got a great gig with the NFL Network. He gets paid a really good amount of money to have a very easy schedule compared to what he'd be dealing with in an NFL front office. And while I'm sure there's a competitive part of him that yearns to jump back into a front office capacity, I just don't know that he has that in him. I don't know the guy personally, but... I wouldn't count on him coming here. That said, yes, you should absolutely pay very close attention because remember, he was the first one that was talking about Makai Becton being a top 10 pick before anybody else was. I love Becton, but I didn't think he was going to go anywhere near that high. Then that mock draft comes out down in Mobile and all of a sudden people were realizing that he could be a top 10 pick. And so you know that Jeremiah is plugged into a lot of these GMs, plus he understands how they value players and certainly is plugged in with Joe Douglas. So I think absolutely pay very close attention to Daniel Jeremiah because he has good information and he's a smart evaluator of talent, but I don't think there's a very good chance that he's going to end up coming here. Yeah, I, I'm just going to start with if I was Daniel Jeremiah, I am not giving up that cushy NFL network gig for – almost anything. Um, and it, the only thing that I would consider giving it up for is to be the head guy calling the shots, the head GM calling the shots. Um, and Daniel J- Jeremiah strikes, I don't know him personally at all, uh, but he strikes me as smart enough to stick with that uh, decision. Uh, Going to keep that cushy NFL network job and keep getting paid doing what he does, and he's excellent at it. Um, so my guess is no, but if he's really itching to get in, I could see it happening. Obviously him and Joe Douglas are close, but I think you're more likely to see him stay there and continue, uh, doing what he's doing and, uh, supporting Joe Douglas from his cushy media job. And with that, we'll wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd be really grateful. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it helps us out a lot. So if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.